Well, having been a priest now for 22 and a half months and a deacon for 13 months before that, not counting the time spent as a Eucharistic minister in high school and college, I have about, conservatively speaking, 32 and a half consecutive months of looking at people's hands. Now, what do I mean by this? Well, when people come forward to receive communion, most elect the option of receiving the Eucharist in their hands. Now, let me take a moment for catechesis. Even in the time of pandemic, the option to receive the Eucharist on the tongue is still available. The Vatican or the diocese has never prohibited communion on the tongue. I personally do not care if you receive on the tongue or the hand, for that is your option as a Catholic to decide. But I'll talk more about that in a bit. But as one who distributes the Eucharist almost every day of his life, I see all sorts of hands. Big hands, little hands, extremely rough hands that you can tell have worked every day of their life. Hands that are covered in grease no matter how many times they have been washed. Extremely smooth and delicate hands that look as if they have never known a day of manual labor in their life. There's a joke in seminary and among priests after ordination when they don't want to do manual labor. They throw around the phrase, these hands, these anointed hands, were made for chalices, not calluses. Now, I see many hands of parents who are juggling children as they come forward to receive communion, children of various stickiness and ickiness. I see children who come forward to communion with hands who look as if they didn't stop playing in the dirt until about three minutes before Mass started. I see hands that are wrinkled with age and still work wonderfully. I see hands that through accident or medical condition no longer work the way they once did. Hands are wonderful and glorious things that allow us to do so much. And today in the Gospel, the Lord offers his own hands as proof of his resurrection to the disciples. The disciples were terrified and thought he was a ghost when he appeared. But he tells them, Why are you troubled? Look at my hands and at my feet, that it is I myself. Another way of saying it is I myself would be to say, I am who am, the name offered to Moses by God. But Jesus asks his disciples to look at his hands and see that he is real, to see the proof that he is not dead but alive, that he has been resurrected, and it is the same man who used those same hands to heal the lepers, to cast out demons from Mary Magdalene, to make blind men see and deaf men hear, to multiply bread and fish, and finally, to institute the Eucharist for them. His holy hands that were pierced by nails for our salvation, he offers those same hands to the disciples to see and know that he, their friend, their teacher, their Lord, is truly with them. And since the Lord is with them, they should not let their hearts be troubled. So let's talk again about the reception of the Eucharist. Many people who choose to receive the Eucharist on the tongue do so, I have found, because they feel that they aren't worthy of handling the Eucharist. Their hands aren't clean enough. Their reverence is such that only the priest's hands should touch the Eucharist, and they should receive it on the tongue. Well, in the Church, we often hearken back to antiquity to clarify for modern procedure in the Church. 
we argue from a point of authority as precedent of what was for what should be done now. So we look in the fourth century and see the writings of St. Cyril of Jerusalem, who wrote about the practice of the reception of communion in the church at that time. He says, quote, when you approach, take care not to do so with your hands stretched out and your fingers open or apart, but rather place your left hand as a throne beneath your right hand, as befits one who is about to receive the king. Then receive him, taking care that nothing is lost. So the practice of the early church was that everyone received in the hand. Conversely, the document Redemptionis Sacramentum, written in 2004 by the Congregation for the Divine Faith, was a follow-up to the encyclical written by John Paul II in 2003 known as Ecclesia de Eucharistia. In the document Redemptionis Sacramentum, it says that where there is risk of profanation, the Eucharist must never be given in the hand. This, is the idea, or this idea of being worthy enough to touch the Eucharist is an interesting idea, though, because which one of us has hands that are worthy enough to receive him? I argue that Mary, the mother of God, is the only one who would have been worthy of handling the Eucharist properly, as she was the first monstrance and carried our Lord for nine months and lacked original sin. If our Lord, though, has made the choice to give himself to us in the form of the Eucharist, then he has already taken into account our sinfulness and our unworthiness. That being said, if one chooses to receive in the hand, we are to place our left hand under our right, present them clearly to the priest, never reach for the Eucharist, or take it, and always offer an audible amen. Clean hands is an interesting idea, though. I have often wondered, even before the pandemic, when the Congregation for the Divine Faith is going to release a new missile, a missile that contains the right of the holy hand sanitizer. For many churches, Catholic schools, and other institutions act as if the reception of the hand sanitizer is more important than the reception of the Eucharist itself. You may notice when the priest is preparing the altar that there is a washing of hands that he done, does at the credence table. This is a purely symbolic gesture of washing sin away as in baptism. We do not do this, nor was it instituted as part of the Mass, because the priest thought his hands were actually dirty. The prayer that the priest offers in silence at that moment says, Wash me, O Lord, of my iniquities, and cleanse me of all my sins. He does not say, Make sure the microbes are gone from my skin, O Lord, that I may have sterile skin. But maybe it's not the cleanliness of the skin, but again the worthiness of the people that are worried that they are receiving the Eucharist in error. First, let me say this. Jesus calls the Pharisees whitewashed tombs, pristine and pretty on the outside, but containing death and rot on the inside. Secondly, get to secondly in a minute. Secondly, as one who hears confessions, let me tell you this. The number of sins that people actually commit with their hands pales in comparison to the sins that people commit with their tongues. So if we are worried that our hands are not worthy enough to receive the Lord, how much more unworthy are those muscles that we possess that seem to often be connected to our brain in a way that lacks a filter 
or charity for others. Yet, as I have said, if the Lord left us the Eucharist, we know that he has already taken into account our sinfulness. He has given us confession in which we can become clean and no longer be those whitewashed tombs because of the sins of our tongues or our hands, and that we can be united with the Lord in the Eucharist. And if we are united as the apostles were, then we hear the exact same comfort that he gave to them. We hear him tell us, do not let your hearts be troubled. In this season of Easter, when the glory of the risen Lord is being proclaimed, let us be thankful for the Lord's providence that has given us the Eucharist. Let us be thankful for his hands that were pierced for our salvation. May we come forward confidently to receive the Eucharist, either on the tongue or in the hand, knowing that we are not worthy by our own merits, but that the Lord has justified us, and therefore we are worthy, when in a state of grace, to receive him, body, blood, soul, and divinity, in the greatest gift known to man. And if we are united with the Lord in the Eucharist, then we should never let our hearts be troubled.